biggest thing that made you decide to to launch and and run for mayor? Well, I got to tell you, I I love this town. I'm a military kid. There was no choice where I was born, where I grew up. You know, bounced around a bit, Georgia, Germany, Alaska. And uh, when I landed here 37 years ago as a, a college intern, I found home. My decision was made in that our city's hurting, right? Um, Everyone can agree that everyone should be safe. And right now, folks are feeling stuck. Uh, I'm running because I think we do need a change. We need to move forward off of the ways we've been doing things. Because I believe that's the second thing everyone can agree on, that what we've been doing for the past 10, 15, and even the past three years isn't working and also let's for the for those who don't know you in the listening audience uh, madison tell us um more a little bit more about you i know you said you're a military kid but tell us more about your history too uh what you do what i do so uh let me you know what i was thinking about this or whatever you want to yeah, say yeah yeah i was thinking about this um the other day anticipating this question and um I'm a, I'm a technologist, I'll, I'll call it that. Uh, I've got that left brain, right brain thing going. Um, and I just found myself over time leaning more and more towards design and data design and technology. And it really is about logic and uncovering systems and ways of solving problems. And what that's rooted in is uh, being that military kid, you know, and having to transfer many times over, always dropping into a new place, and then having to find my way. And finding your way means you got to take a step back from yourself and make room for other people and just kind of see, how does this place work? And so learning how this place works, learning the frustrations, hopes, aspirations of folks, led me to the work I do, which is I create digital solutions. So if you've ever used uh, electronic signatures and Adobe Sign, I designed that. So 2006, it's still in place. There you go. Um, uh, To bring it home, um, I worked with Burton Snowboards around 2016, 2017. Um, Very amazing company, very strong company, very strong design roots. They had a website, though, that wasn't based in how you shop online, right? So they had folks who knew how to design uh, print pieces, but not necessarily how the web works. So I went in there. And as the problem solver, I don't come in with predetermined solutions. I can't come in to break down barriers and silos and really put my arms around the people who know what they're doing and then create an atmosphere where they talk to each other. They end up advocating for each other. So in the end, we created a new web solution there, e-commerce site. That platform still exists because we took our time to design something that had a strong foundation. So that's what I do, Kurt. There you go. <laughs> now, and I will tell you one last thing on that. Sure. Sometimes it's hard for me to explain. I have had a friend for 35 years, and it was about 10 years ago she asked me, now what do you do? Because I can never <laughs> really explain it to people. I hear. Now, Madison, so with you entering the race this past Monday, we know that we have two longtime city councilors, pretty high-profile councilors, Karen Paul and uh, Joan Shannon, in the race already. Um, how do you pull this off? How do you, you beat these two long-time, high-profile city councilors? Uh, you, have you been organizing already, or did you are you kind of just getting started? I'm trying to figure out. 
do you how do you pull this off? And the caucus December tenth, which is three weeks from Sunday. The caucus is December tenth, and you're right. Joan and Karen have been running and serving for a very long time. The city, which means they've got a core group of constituents who are going to show up for that caucus, and it's a numbers game, right? We've got forty two thousand residents, and uh, we might have about. Well, the last time we had maybe 856 at the most folks out of 42,000 deciding who the Democratic candidate was going to be. You had to go to a Republican caucus sometime. (laughs) (laughs) So how am I going to do it? It's absolutely a numbers game. It's my job to get out there in the community and say, if you actually want to have a choice and a voice as to who your next mayor is, you've got to show up for this caucus. Otherwise, you're actually forfeiting your decision because when it comes time in March, You'll be you'll be deciding between someone you didn't actually choose. And well, you're right. It's it's a very important caucus. To say it's only three weeks from Sunday, so it's coming up fast. So, uh, what's the the guts of the campaign? Are you have an organization? Are you making calls? Are you uh, are you trying to get out? I know you mentioned in your in your announcement that you were going to try to motivate new people to show up, young people to show up, and others. How do you, how do you do that? How are you doing that? So this is a delegation task. Uh, I'm of a certain generation that isn't that young generation. So we are bringing in a crew of uh, younger folks who have been doing this work and are actually going to be running that ground game. I'm going to trust them in reaching out to these uh, new caucus voters who haven't traditionally shown up. So uh, during that process, how how do you get your message out? And what do you think your key message is to caucus voters about um, you know, why vote for Madison as opposed to the other candidates? So, as I said previously, what we've been doing for the last 10, 15, three years hasn't been working. Um, I may be a newcomer when, it, when we talk about actually running for office, but I'm not a political newcomer. I've actually been working behind the scenes with folks like Moreau and Karen Paul. Um, and what I've noticed is also that I've had people in the community reach out to me when they weren't feeling heard by members of our city government. What I do differently is I listen. And it's more than listening, it's making sure that people feel heard. You know, if we go back and look at 2020 and the Battery Street protests, that really was a generation of people, a group of people, and I'll say generations, who felt that... They hadn't been heard. And recently I had a young person actually reach out to me when he saw that I announced my campaign for mayor. And he was chastened. And he said, we were angry. We didn't feel heard. And now on reflection, I realize what we didn't take into consideration after that vote is what's next. When you say that vote, are you talking about the... um the vote in 2020 to uh, cap the police officers? Yes. Let's talk about that, Madison. That was a, a, a vote that a lot of people look to as, at least some people feel, like that that was a, prob- a problematic vote that had us down a path to where the police force got reduced. Looking back at that, we know you were not on the council, as Joan Shannon and Karen Paul were, so we know where their votes landed. But uh, thinking back to that time, do you think that was the right decision by the city council? If you'd been there, would you have supported it? And do you, and looking back then, and do you change, do you feel the same way now? So uh, I mentioned that I'd been working behind the scenes. And during that time, 
I was actually working with Councillor Paul, Councillor Hightower, um, Jessica Nordhaus, and Mayor Moreau. We were having frequent conversations um, behind the scenes, and I was in communication with folks who were trying to push forward this resolution. I was absolutely opposed to it then, and I'm still opposed to it now. It was... Um, I understand what the intention was, and like I said, the, the, vo- the folks who weren't fe- feeling heard and the emotion that that came out of. Um, you know, you mentioned, Kurt, on the show um, that there had been a resolution or an amendment that would have taken out that language yes. to reduce the oh. number of officers. Yep, that was proposed by Councilor Shannon and was voted down as well. And I think that was wrong. Yeah. You would have supported the amendment by Councilor Shannon and Councilor Jang, uh, which would have re- jettisoned the language about moving from 105, the cap, down to 74, which, of course, it went well below that. Um, you would have jettisoned that language in favor of the study. You would have supported that. Absolutely. Okay. Listen, I, I am a technologist. The work I do is absolutely based on data. Right. And, and if we're here to serve the people of Burlington, Vermont, we have to be very intentional and very mindful about the impact of every decision we make. And I will say this, that some folks were surprised at how quickly um, the attrition happened. No one should have been pr- surprised because if you're a professional group of any sort and, and you're told, hey, listen, we're going to cut this department, the people who can leave and typically that's the most talented folks, will leave as quickly as possible. I've seen that happen time and time again in my industry. So the fact that they were surprised... Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I do look back at that vote as a you know a, a time where we, con- we, we sent a message to the police department that they, that they weren't important. And another piece of that that happened at that time during the budget debate was going through these line items remember this one by one and oh no training we're not we're going to cut this we're going to cut education so there were other messages at the time and speaking of being heard the way that the council meeting was conducted i tried for two nights until i think one or two in the morning in this so-called zoom queue to testify on that and because i'm not a burlington resident even though i represent hundreds of burlington businesses i was never able to speak and you know for my own health and well-being, I had to give up. I think. Let's go to the phones. Caller, you're on the air with Madison. She's running for Mayor Burlington uh, in March, but actually first on December 10th. That's the key vote coming up first. Caller, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, good morning, Madison. I like everything that you got to say, and I feel like if you just stick to that, like accountability, you should be able to win no problem. Oh, there's a vote of support. Sounds like wow. a supporter right there, Madison. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I, and I will continue to do that. I'll tell you what, I promise you this. I will speak up and be as honest about everything as I can. That That's what we need. We need transparency, accountability, and honesty. All right. That sounds like a vote. you got to get them to the caucus. Get registered. Right now, <laughs> Burlington Dems, go to the website. Make sure you're registered before December 8th. There you go. Good information to put out there. Now, Madison, I want to ask you about this. So you said that you... Thought that was a mistake, that resolution back in 2020. You said you would have supported the amendment that would have taken that language out and put in place a study. Uh, and uh, you were concerned about the direction that headed us. I want to ask you about something that you said in your kickoff that was quoted by Seven Days um, and and get your reaction or, or ask you a question about it. You were quoted as saying that you, you had cons- you've developed real concerns about the mayor over the last three years since his last election, and you believe that he divided the city 
by pushing a narrative that Burlington is less safe with fewer cops. Uh, so I want to focus on that first. You, at the same time that you say that you were concerned about what happened with that resolution and that we should have studied it, we did end up with fewer cops. But you, at the same time, are criticizing for Moreau, for Moreau for saying that we are less safe with less cops. Can you explain that, please? Sure. So I absolutely disagreed with the cut. You know, I want to go back to something you said, Kelly, uh, also about cutting education and training. If we had been talking about a concern with teachers, that something was not being done right in our schools with our teachers, we wouldn't cut our teachers. We'd probably hire more, and we definitely provide more training and guidance for them, right? Same should have been done for our police force to support them. My issue and concern is what I look, what I look at and see in Burlington is a series of unintended consequences, right? We have the unintended consequence of that cut, and on the other side of that is once that cut happened, we needed leadership from our mayor and our chief of police to say, look, this happened. We didn't agree with it. This is where we are today. We're going to continue to do our best to support and serve our community. And we're going to communicate with you frequently and be transparent about what's happening. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. That was really the crux of my frustration with the mayor in how do you lead when something like that happens to continue to say to the police and to your community, we're in this together and we're going to work to take care of each other. That that's really what my response was response was regarding. Okay. And so when it says in this story that you uh, are concerned that the mayor's make creating this narrative that we're less safe with less cops, I want to be clear then though you, you, do think that we needed more cops and that it has created a problem. Is that right? Or I, want to, I don't want to mischaracterize what you're saying. So when that statement was made, it was before the um, before fentanyl and the, the, the height of the drug crisis hit us here in Burlington. It was before the end of the motel voucher program, which also exponentially increased our homeless population here, right? That, that was prior to these concerning events that we're now dealing with. Um, and yes, here's the other thing. Let's go to that study that you mentioned, which was an amendment. When that study came out um, and the cut, you know, where we ended up, we, w- we were only a handful of police officers away from the recommendation of the CNA study. We weren't off by 20, 30 police officers. So it's a balance, right? It's a balance of how do you lead when something doesn't necessarily go your way? And what do you? What would you do right now if you're elected mayor? You win the caucus December 10th. You become mayor in March. What would you do right now about the problems that we're facing? For let's let's focus on one thing. There, obviously, we're hearing from that people are shooting up in City Hall Park. That they're shooting up in other places downtown, and uh, it's creating well, it's it's a problem in many many ways for the people that are doing it, but also for people that are downtown that are seeing it, for shoppers that are coming downtown seeing it. It may scare people away. What do you think about that? What do you think needs to be done? Or, you know, what do you think needs to be done? All right. So what I'm about to say, I'm I'm going to acknowledge firsthand, it's going to take resources that we don't initially have. And so we're going to need the support of the state. This is a public health emergency. This is a statewide crisis. Burlington, Brattleboro, Rutland, none of our cities should be going alone on this. As to what would I do? 
I took a walk through City Hall Park yesterday. I posted a video saying, hey, Burlington, it's a beautiful day. Come downtown, right? We're a city of 42,000. Um, we need to show up for each other. And yes, there are a handful of people who are really making it hard for us. Uh, and as I was walking through City Hall Park, I ran into a Burlington City Parks uh, worker. And we struck up a conversation. And here's what we t- he told me. Now, if you go back to that October 10th City Council, and we had presentations by the police and by Fire Chief Lachance, and talking about the crisis response teams. Specifically around that crisis response team, it was a bottom-up solution. So Chief Lachance has created a culture in the fire department that we are problem solvers. They created this crisis team. They came to the City Council. They had the data to show with the heat map. Here are the hot spots. Here's where we need to be focusing our efforts. And he brought the data saying... Here's the time blocks when we really need to have our folks on staff, and it's all volunteer. So we need to be very particular and careful about how we show up. Well, Matt from Burlington Burlington Parks told me that that is making a difference to the people who are in the park. They are feeling seen, and they are feeling supported, and it's making a shift in them. What that also allows us, and and I've had this conversation with folks, is when you show up in that way, And if you have that crisis response team there, that's also an opportunity for intervention. You don't just come and apply the Narcan and let them go. You say, hey, can we take you someplace safe? That's that's an opportunity for intervention. No. So let me just finish, Kelly. Now I've got to talk about the police. Do we have to go to a break? Nope, you're all set. Keep going. So I want to take that, 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 that fact we have right now. We're having proof of how we can be impactful. I would do the same thing for the police. Unfortunately, right now, the data side of the police department isn't as tight. One of the reasons is the way they're handling calls, right? I understand limited resources. You have a prioritization list of of how you're going to respond. But one thing is we should be managing and capturing all of those calls. That's not happening because dispatch is saying at a certain level, go online. When you tell someone to go online, you're losing that data. So in a sense, our police are kind of blind in some ways. They can't show us a heat map. They can't say, here's where we need to show up all the time. Anecdotally, yes, we know where to show up. The other thing I think we do, if I were the chief, I know, I just said that. <laughs> um, can't, can't rewind that. Um, I would have an emphasis. Right now, I believe on that presentation, they say they have 25 police on patrol. I would put as many people as I can in uniform and be out on the streets for deterrence. Because procedural justice is something that I know that cops are very strong on. What that means is we all know what the rules are. We all know what our responsibility is, myself as a police officer, but your your responsibility as a community member. So we have as many people as possible in uniform, and we enforce the rules. We're talking to Madison. She is running for Mayor Burlington on the December 10th Democratic Caucus, coming up three weeks from Sunday. Um, if you have a question for Madison, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888 You can ask a tough question, any question you want. All we ask and, in fact, demand is that you're respectful to our guest. Um, go ahead, Kelly. So, you know, one of the things I've been looking at a lot lately, um, you know, and you mentioned intervention of the fire department, I think that's great, is I, I would like to see the next mayor really work hard with the state to to make sure that we have 
what some folks might call wraparound services. I've done some a, a lot of research around what's happening in places like San Francisco and Portland, Oregon. And I talk to the street outreach team a lot. And what I hear is, you know, if the fire department person wants to say, let us get you somewhere where you can get more services, there's nowhere to go. So can you talk a little bit about where we are, uh, what you see as a community on that level and what you might do as mayor? Absolutely. Um, you know, I mentioned that this is a state crisis. Um, and we need to have a reprioritization in this state. One thing that is true, unfortunately, is per capita, Vermont has the second highest rate of homelessness in the country. That's unacceptable. So we need a prioritization uh, from the governor, from our legislature, to build to, to build beds. Right now we have a 1% vacancy rate in the city of Burlington. We can't build shelter fast enough. This needs to be a regional response and a statewide response. And all of the services should not be located in Burlington alone. Imagine, imagine if we redistributed services to Winooski and our surrounding communities, right? Um, and when we talk about wraparound services, I agree with you. Uh, one of the other ways to deal with this is we need to have an intake process. We need to have the resources. And I will stop talking because I see Kurt kind of signaling, and, and we'll get back to the other part of this. Okay, uh, I want to get to one quick call before we hit the 8 o'clock news break. Caller, you're on the air with Madison running for mayor. We lost that one. Let's see if we've got one more. Let's try that one. No. Okay, sorry, we lost them both. Um, all right. Um, go ahead and finish the second part of that answer. I wanted to get to the calls. They were lined up, but now they're gone. All right. So go to the second part of that. Sorry, I didn't mean to distract you from it. Here. It's all It's all right. Um, you know, when we're talking about all of these challenges, Kelly, um, if we want to talk about homelessness, we can't talk about that in a void, right? If we want to talk about substance abuse, we can't talk about that in a void or mental health. Right now, as you're saying, we don't have any long-term care facilities for folks. How do you expect anyone to move into recovery when you have a limitation of a 14-day stay under current Medicaid rules? Yeah, I completely agree. And we don't have mental health services available. And we have people up at the medical center, emergency department, being, I would say, warehoused in there for hundreds of days because there's nowhere to send people. So. Uh, I think Burlington as the largest city and Chittenden County as the largest county and a significant contributor to the bottom line in Montpelier really needs to stand up. Uh, let's grab this one call. It'll have to be quick caller, and you might have to even respond to it on the other side of the break. Caller, you're on the air with Madison. Just want to say, everything you said is very refreshing. I like what you said. The other three interviews that you did for people that are running seemed to be weaselly and dodged the questions and didn't take responsibility. And specifically, what would you do about, do you support the needle handout program? Needle handout program. Is that a question you can give a quick answer to, or do we need to go to the break? Let's go to the break. Okay. All right. We're going to hit the news and weather break right here at the top of the hour. To our overdose prevention sites. Now, that may seem controversial to some folks, but let's go to the data. Let's look at the studies. There was actually a new study presented in the New York Times uh, yesterday. And uh, interestingly enough, one of the folks working on that study was Brenda Del Pozo. And the results are showing that when you have overdose prevention sites, um, you're going to reduce needle litter. Folks are going to come in. It does not increase uh, the rate of addiction. What it does allow for is an opportunity, again, for intervention. And what they have showed um, with over 90,000 people across the world, um, and a million injections, they've had no deaths. And crime did not increase around those areas. 
this is when we have to be mindful as a community and as a state around building comprehensive solutions. And I'll just stop there. There's a lot more to talk about in setting something up, something like that up. But that's just one way that we can deal with needle litter and issues. Okay, Madison, I want to go to another issue. What you uh, you mentioned the policing, and you mentioned Chief Mirad. Uh, Chief Mirad, obviously, there was a controversy on the city council when he first came up for a vote. He was blocked by a six to six vote. Uh, mostly the progressives were blocking him. Uh, he came up for another vote. He finally was confirmed as the permanent chief rather than the acting chief. Um, I know I've talked to a number of men and women in the department who felt like it was kind of like, thank God we needed that stability now after you know some very in- instability in the department. If you're elected mayor, will it be your intention to keep Chief Merad on or will you want to go in a different direction? Um, my intention would be coming in as mayor to have a conversation with all of the department heads and to see if we all match up with leadership styles and the goals that I'm working towards. There's no way I could tell you right now what kind of decision I would make, but I can tell you my intention is not to replace anyone at this moment. And I just want to just go just because we did this with the other candidates as well. So I want to just zero in just a little bit more. I totally understand when you talk about all the department heads, and that's what other candidates have said as well. But on this one, this one seems a little more important because of the policing issue that we've had, because we've fallen below numbers that were really dangerous in a lot of people's minds, and because of the needed stability in the department and the support by the men and women in the department. Don't you think that it's it's important to know on this one ahead of time what each mayoral candidate's intention is in terms of this department in particular? My intention is very clear. There, yes, there should be stability, and the the people who, who serve in our uh, police department should have that. And they should, listen, this is what I truly believe. When I say that everyone should be safe, I, I'm including law enforcement. I'm including our first responders. So I would be the kind of mayor that absolutely goes in and listens before I make any decisions. But at least as, as starting out, your intention would be to keep the chief or keep all department heads? Is that what you said? That's yeah. That's the initial intention. Absolutely. Okay, let's go back to the phones. Caller, you're on the morning drive with Madison, running for mayor. Hey, I have a question for Madison. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, I heard you mentioned Brandon Del Pozo, and any suggestion is good. But uh, frankly, we can see where Mister Del Pozo's suggestions got himself in a heap of trouble. And didn't help Burlington a hell of beans one iota. Now the reference to safe injection sites, there's no such thing as a st- safe injection site. Ask an anesthesiologist at the hospital. Those guys have a hard time. People sticking needles in themselves until there's no veins left is unacceptable. They're killing themselves and to ignore these needles that are in the park, flush down the toilet, and end up on the beaches. If you want to be infected with AIDS or your children infected with them, this has to stop, and it's unacceptable. I will not vote for you if you continue down the route of a safe injection site. Okay, let's hear from uh, Madison. I appreciate your call. My intention as mayor would be to make sure we take care of everybody and we use results driven data led solutions 
this study is intensive and it was conducted with locations around the world. Here's the thing to, to remember, Burlington. Um, when it comes to addiction, um, it's nothing new. Since humans have learned to gather, they've been trying to dull the pain. And the other, and this is a weird way to put it, but the, there's a benefit that Burlington has, which it's where, we're one of the last downtowns to be impacted by the drug crisis in a visible way. Understand that I said that, not that this is new, but in a visible way. So what we need to do is and uh, is not be so precious to think all of the answers come from us, but to truly look to those folks who've been doing the work right now. And this study is data-led, it's results-proven, this is how we help and serve people. There are, um, Madison, some business owners, I think, downtown, I've talked to a few of them, who are concerned about adding this into the mix of already a lot of problems in the downtown area. They're concerned that it may worsen the problem downtown uh, because it's almost definitely it will be cited certainly near the downtown area from everything I've been heard and told. And Governor Gavin Newsom out in California actually vetoed a bill allowing more uh, uh, safe in, so-called safe injection sites. And he said uh, that he is that you can't ignore the potential danger that some of these sites have created in cities like San Francisco and Oakland. His actual statement is these unintended consequences that we've seen in cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco and Oakland cannot be taken lightly. Worsening drug consumption challenges is not a risk we can take. So guy on the pretty left uh, vetoed a bill on that. And we know some business owners are concerned. You've spoken to it, but are you what do you make of business owners concerns, at least a number of them, that we're going to add more problems to the mix downtown if we have if we add this to it? I absolutely understand those concerns and and understand when I mention something like overdose prevention sites, I'm not advocating that we just do the thing, right? There is research and study that needs to be done to make sure that if we were to implement something like this, understand I'm not saying we locate it downtown. I'm not saying that we there's only one that's in Burlington. Um, we There's a di- dis- distribution model that needs to happen for all of the services we have. Right now, Burlington not, should not be the center for all the things. So what I am talking about is we can't keep doing the things we're doing because they're not working. And we should be looking for solutions that will help people move from addiction to recovery. And if this is one of those tools, then let's take a good hard look at it. And I do agree with uh, Governor Newsom, as I've already mentioned at the top of this program, we have to be mindful of unintended consequences. And you said Burlington shouldn't have to harbor everything. Are you saying that you'd have an injection site somewhere outside the downtown or you'd try to have it located somewhere outside Burlington? I'm saying this should be a statewide regional consideration, not Burlington going it alone on this. All right, let's go back to the phones. Caller, you're on the air with Madison running for mayor. What's your question for Madison? Madison, uh, I'm not sure if you've already covered what I'm going to suggest, but uh, in reference to the marketplace, um, I'm on it every day, and I see vagrants, people in the vestibules, camping out during the night and during the day. And as, in reference to the uh, methadone clinics, I believe the Howard Center has a couple of them in the city. I think there's one in South Burlington. But what I really want to know is, what is your plan to getting the people off the street? And there's no reason, especially on the marketplace. It's disgusting, and it's 
Okay. Not a All right. Big C. We got it. Let's get to CD. We're getting closer to 8:30, so let's hear from CD. Let's enlarge that uh, Madison to um, people on the streets. We know that sometimes there's in, they're blocking uh, doorways to businesses. There, uh, there are encampments that are popping up. So if you can talk to us generally, what your thoughts, what you think should be done about all that, and maybe also what did you think about the Sears Lane encampment and that being mm-hmm. taken down by the city? Um, all right. So Boston Mayor Wu, as part of her public safety um, effort, is moving towards a zero encampment policy. I believe in that. Now, what that means, though, is you can't just move people without giving them a place to go. So this is not going to be a fast fix. If you want to see uh, zero needles in our park, if you want to get to um, zero to low, let's say zero, public use of drugs, then we have to get to a zero homelessness situation, right? It. If we want to talk about one challenge, we've got to talk about all of them. And so, uh, again, that goes again. Burlington will not solve this alone. We cannot build enough shelters or homes ourselves. We're going to need a regional response and a statewide response. Uh, you know, we've got our sister city of South Burlington doing a lot of building of homes. Let's have, uh, let's take another look at our regional transportation system. Because one thing that Kelly and I in the break talked about was, um, this middle area of housing and workforce housing. We don't have enough housing for our teachers, our educators, our first responders, um, folks who are working at Burton Snowboards or any other company that we're trying to bring into Burlington. So we have to encourage a very um, collaborative model of housing and transportation and a collaborative model of dealing with the mental health addiction and homelessness crisis. What about the Sears Lane encampment? Do, were you, do you think the city did the right thing when they removed that encampment? That was a dangerous situation. It, we can't look away from, from that fact. It was a very dangerous situation. Um, I understand how folks found themselves there because what, what's true for every person is we want to belong. Right? Unfortunately, that, that place of belonging was not safe. Um, what I what I am concerned about and hope would have been done differently. I know there was an offer to house folks. Um, unfortunately, not enough folks found housing, right? And that's again why I think we need a regional response. We could not find enough beds in the city of Burlington for folks. And then the pods came online much, much, much later. And so the question there was, again, unintended consequences. If you move people from a place and space... City Hall Park was new. It was clean. It was beautiful. It has a bathroom. Where do you think people were going to go? But, uh, so just, I want to be clear. So ultimately, did you think the city should have taken that encampment down? I think it should have been taken down. However, I think we should have been more mindful and intentional about how that was done and finding housing for folks. Uh, If we can talk a little bit more about housing, are there any, you know, we... We just went through this uh, process of getting this housing change in the south end that's going to allow housing down there. I think it's a very positive change for Burlington. Um, do you have any specific policy initiatives that you would try to push forward as mayor so that it's it's hard to develop in the downtown? It's costly. 
a lot of people that are real estate developers that I talk to have no interest in doing it. Do you see any policies that you might look to at least have a conversation about or change to make it more attractive to develop housing in our downtown? That's a very good question, Kelly. And uh, what I am hopeful of is uh, we've had some zoning rules change down at the state house that I think uh, are going to be helpful. Um, of course, what we know is you're right. A lot of developers, and I've spoken with Eric Hoekstra about this, uh, who's on my team, um, and that it is hard to build here. So this is when we have to take a multi-tiered approach, working with what we got while we're still trying to build. Um, I have a friend who uh, was finding it very hard to find housing in Burlington and wanted to be a homeowner. They got creative. She and two other of her friends bought a home together. She's got the carriage house. They've got the main house. If we can encourage more of that sort of innovative, cooperative uh, buying, you know, here we took three people who had been renting and now they're homeowners. I think that's the kind of, uh, you know, task force actually we should start with to say, what can we do with what we've got? Let's go back to the phones. Caller, you're on the air with Madison. What's your question? You know, I just feel I have to comment on something. You keep saying this requires a statewide response. Well, the state didn't create your problems. Your voters created your problems. So until you let me vote in your local elections, Burlington has to fix its own problems because the rest of the state is not responsible for the progressives that created it. What do you think of that, Madison? He's saying, uh, you know, you're looking at more tax dollars for Burlington, and his feeling is Burlington created its own problem. So, unfortunately, this is not just a Burlington problem. If you actually uh, take a look at a county breakdown of the incidence of um, drug use, and what we're seeing with this opioid crisis, it is hitting absolutely every county in Vermont. And one thing that I got to tell you that I would do as mayor is uh, I would create better relationships with the rest of the state. Um, Burlington is an innovation engine. It is an economic hub for this state. We have billion-dollar, not million-dollar, billion-dollar companies coming out of the city of Burlington. There is a richness here. There is a creativity here. Um, There is something special about this city, just as there is something very special about this entire state. This is why Vermont is home for me. Uh, Madison, go ahead. To that end, do you have any key uh, policy initiatives you'd take on to um, make sure that we promote economic vitality in Burlington? You know, we're losing... We're losing commercial, uh, you know, leaseholders in town. We've had, you know, some loss of businesses, though. Others are coming in, but it's really not a one-to-one ratio. I think one of the, I'm a data person, too, and one of the most, uh, I think, indicative pieces of data is how much less park people are having parking sessions and how many fewer people park downtown. So what would be one thing you might try to do to uh, strengthen our economic vitality? Well, uh, you know what? One piece of it is this. Um, And I'm not talking about a PR campaign. Uh, I'm talking about there is the sense, just like that caller indicated in the rest of the state, um, that Burlington is not a place you want to be right now. And we've got to shift that around. And the first way we do that is the people of Burlington, we are 42,000 strong, come downtown, 
show up. The way we manifest our love for the city is we show up. And we should not allow a handful of people to dictate how this city works. Uh, uh, Madison, I want to ask you a couple more questions here in regard to... So public safety and policing is, is... Everybody's saying it's the number one issue. Every candidate said it, and I think everybody feels it. But I think the number two issue, not too far behind that, is affordability. I know out where I live in the New North End, it's still a big issue. Burlington's expensive. We love Burlington, but it gets more expensive. Um, what do you think about that? What would you do about that to try to bring taxes down? Do you think uh, that government has grown too much and we should look with a fine-tooth comb at every single department in the city? Or what would you do to try to help besieged taxpayers? All right, I'm going to say a phrase that's... Uh... <laughs> Uh, I was talking to friends about, you know, we do a lot of, uh, I've, I've been involved in a lot of uh, nonprofit boards. And uh, one thing we're all, always mindful of is the money. You got to be mindful of the money, right? So absolutely, Kurt, every, every department needs to be responsible. Um, and, you know, we need to be auditing that all the time. Are we using the taxpayers' money wisely? Uh, let's have a review and metrics of the programs we have. Are these working or not? And if they're not working, we need to stop. Or adjust and iterate. Now, when it comes to affordability, um, of course, part of the problem is supply and demand. 1% vacancy rate. That's an issue. When it comes to taxes, right, part of it we can control and part of it we can't. We've got the property tax, tax structure at the state level. It is what it is. I do believe we need to be more innovative in how we raise revenue in this city. Um, when I look across other countries, not even other states and other cities, um, Portugal, if we go back to the addiction crisis, Portugal has kind of been leading the way in what they've been doing. So I, I, I invite everyone to go out and just take a look and how Portugal has been addressing uh, homelessness and addiction. And one thing that they do, which is something I've been talking about for years, is having, um, I'm going to call it um, a community fund for Burlington. We, we can figure out the name of it later. But it would be... Um, in essence, a tourist tax. Uh, in Portugal, when you go and you stay at a hotel, you pay two euros per guest per stay. We can raise that money. It's, we'll call it the Burlington Preservation Fund, or the, whatever we want to call it. But we need to be more innovative in how we raise revenue without having it hit the residents of Burlington. And so you take very seriously the concerns that people talking about affordability and property taxes in Burlington. Absolutely. I live here. The shock on my face when I opened that new tax bill. Me too. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, Taisha, uh, Madison, I want to ask you about Taisha Green. Um, she was, obviously, it was a big issue back in the August 14th meeting, the mayor calling for a financial review after what happened in Minneapolis, what they had, they'd done their own audit or whatever. I know you spoke in public forum that night. I listened to it. Um, I thought your remarks were reasonable. Some in the audience that night, though, uh, were very... I guess you'd say strident in regard to the mayor. They had called him names. They'd called him a white supremacist, a racist. Some had. Um, I want to know what you think about what other people said. Do you think that that was out of line for some people to be calling the Moreau, to be calling Moreau a white supremacist or a racist? I do. Oh, let me say this. He's not a white supremacist. I have written before that there have been things that he's done unintentionally, and yet they were racist. Okay, so that that to, those two things can be true. Moreau Weinberger is not a white supremacist, and I disagreed with the use of that term. 
And if you'll note, I was very mindful and intentional about how I showed up that night. I showed up in a floral track jacket to stand out just as myself. I showed up to make my remarks because my concerns aligned with Rachel Siegel and Celine Coburn, which is that there was an unequal application of oversight. That's, that's what I stood behind. And I'll say this, Kurt, that, you know, we've had some callers in here who may align with you uh, ideologically, but I'm going to guess you don't agree with everything they say either. Uh, no, and, and um, let me, a couple more things because we're just about out of time. If you, and I've asked this to the other candidates too, if you, we know you intend to win the caucus, but if you do not win the caucus, do you, will you endorse the winner of the caucus, be it either Joan Shannon or Karen Paul? I am a lifelong Democrat. I'm going to support the Democratic Party. Whoever wins, you're behind them. You're endorsing them. Is that, is that the same thing? Are we, you're, Let's call it the same thing. Okay. And then lastly, I just want to make sure, I don't want to leave without giving you a chance to respond to this. You, were, uh, you mentioned this in the article. You were on the Commission to Review Policing Policies back in 2019. And you said the committee was more or less useless. It was ineffective. You were chair of the committee, right? I wouldn't call it. I didn't use the terms useless and ineffective. Okay. I was, I was voted in as the chair. Um, I, I was asked to do that. And actually, Joan Shannon asked me to do it. And I said yes, because I, I wanted to see this be successful. When it became clear to me that there was already a predetermined outcome, I did refuse to play party to that. Who, who was the predetermined outcome on? Who, who had the predetermined outcome? It was, cl- it was clear that it was coming from City Hall. City, the mayor or council or both? It felt like both. Okay, and because because you left after just a couple meetings, right? That, that's right. Because you just I'm not going to be party to a farce. Okay, all right. We are out of time. Uh, share Madison, your website. Yeah, Madison, share your website. How do people reach out to you? How do they get in touch with you? They want to donate money to you. How do they do it? Um, go to Madison for Mayor. That's M A T T I S O N F O R Mayor dot com. And let me just say this: I'm asking folks to be curious. I'm asking folks to get to know me, and I'm asking folks to take a chance on something new we know things have to change burlington come along with me we can do this all right cd madison everybody she is running for mayor in the democratic caucus uh, december 10th it's three weeks from sunday coming up fast uh and oh will you be there there's going to be a debate a week before right you'll be part of that with joan and and karen that's what i'm hearing there's going to be yeah december 3rd there's going to be a forum and november 29th there's also going to be a debate on cctv and the second one on the week? December 3rd. That's where? Actually, I don't know yet. Okay. All right. C.D. Madison, thanks for being on the morning drive today. Kurt, Kelly, this has been an intense pleasure. Can we do it again? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We look forward to it.